Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. What a joy, church, this morning to welcome each one of you into the house of God. And I take this time to thank God and to praise God for this wonderful time that the Lord has given to us. On behalf of each one of us here, we want to take this time to welcome you to the house of God. And we pray may the Holy Spirit continue to minister to you. If you're joining us for the very first time, it is our prayer that you may also experience along with us the presence and the power of God in this place. Amen. This nation is so grateful that they are able to celebrate one more year of its independence. I always thank God because um, uh, the day of independence, uh, when India was celebrating its independence, August 15th, in 1987, that day, I was able to celebrate on a personal note my own independence when I took water baptism, accepted the Lord uh, as my personal Lord and Savior, and became a child of God. So that got etched in my memory every time to celebrate uh, God's goodness and God's faithfulness in that way. Amen. First of all, a shout out to all of you. Last Sunday, we uh, asked you to, to join and to support um, a ministry that our summer interns were doing for the Hakipiki tribe. Uh, in Karnataka, and you showed your generosity, you showed your love. I mean, those children, they were, uh, those students, they were able to raise more than $900 towards that. Amen. God, to God be the glory. Uh, we, we, we just needed actually $300 or $400 at the most. But, they, but these children, they said, you know, we want to do bake sale, we want to do car wash, we want to do all these things we want to raise. So they actually kind of like, they just uh, they said, we are going to raise all these funds. I said, we only need for the tuition fees for them. But they said, no, we want to do, go beyond and do more. Um, so thank you, church, for supporting them and supporting that cause. May the Lord bless your heart. Amen. This morning, um, I want to take you uh, to a scripture passage. Oftentimes, we read this. And uh, the title of my message this morning, uh, coming from Psalm 13, is this, Navigating God's Abandonment. Navigating God's Abandonment, Psalm 13. If you have opened the scriptures, uh, let's read that together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten up, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Oftentimes, when the children were small, when we were driving a long trip, one thing that they would keep on asking every time was, are we there yet? How much more to go? 
oftentimes what they were asking is, you told us that we will reach at such and such time. And they wanted to know exactly where we are. Are we closer to our destination? Because they have become tired and wearied by the commute. That's not the kind of question that the psalmist is raising here. His cry, how long, is not that kind of a cry. This psalm is a psalm of individual lament. Individual lament. Someone who's crying out before God. A worshiper who comes in the presence of God and he's crying out, pouring his heart out before God. When you read Psalms, 150 Psalms, you have one third of the Psalms is filled with lament Psalms. Almost nearly one third of the Psalms. Both community laments are there, individual laments are there. Psalm 12 would be an example of a community lament. Psalm 13, a perfect example of an individual lament. In exactly last year, at this time around, I was reading uh, Christianity Today, and one of the articles that really touched me was how people in Italy were lamenting before God, crying out before God. Especially as you know, when the COVID wave hit, Europe didn't take it that serious in, 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 initially. And you were able, we were able to see hordes of pictures and, and sad stories that were emerging from New York, from New Jersey, California, and from Italy, and many parts of the nations, especially European nations. So people in Italy, they were coming back, and they were publicly going in the streets and falling before God in front of churches. They were crying out, and they were reading, and they were singing lament psalms. Because they said our society had become so affluent that we forgot how to lament before God. We never needed anything else. We never thought we were dependent on God until this pandemic hit and we were suddenly brought to our knees. We realized that apart from God, we can do nothing. They started crying out, pouring their heart before God, confessing their sins before God. When we read the Psalm 13, you don't see that the psalmist is confessing his sins. Yes, he's going through a tough situation in his life. A very deep, dark hole that he finds himself in. And he's crying out to God. But you don't see that there is, there is a confession. Because maybe it's not because of sin that he's crying out. But he's going through a situation in his life where he feels that he's abandoned by God. You know, unlike Psalm 12, in Psalm 12 when you read, there is also a community lament. What do you find in Psalm 12? The difference between Psalm 12 and Psalm 13 is this. In Psalm 12, the psalmist says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. He is thinking that godly people have been taken away. I am losing, I've been abandoned by godly people. More and more I see only people who speak lie. So he's thinking that in the community of the righteous, the righteous people are not there anymore. The covenant people are not there anymore. He feels himself, himself to be alone. A similar cry that you may have probably heard when Elijah was crying out before God. God, I am the only one remaining. Rest everyone is following the worshippers of Baal. Everyone is following after Baal. I am the only one. That's why he cried out to God, isn't it? When he met God. I am the only one remaining. But in 
In Psalm 12, if that is a cry, in Psalm 13, it is not that the godly ones are not there. I am the only one. He feels that he has been abandoned by his God. He feels that he's been abandoned. He feels lonely. He feels lonely. If you read Psalm 13, you can divide this psalm into three parts. Verse 1 and 2, the psalmist, most probably David, he's expressing his feelings of abandonment. That's exactly what we read in verse 1 and 2. Verse 3 and 4, if you read, that is a prayer unto God that he may find his favor once again. Verse 5 and 6, if you read, he expresses his trust in God and that there is renewed rejoicing and there is renewed worship in the presence of God. What is this cry of David in verse 1 and 2? What is his cry? Four times you find that very words, how long? Four times you find that. How long, Lord? How long will you hide? How long must I take counsel? How long my enemies shall be exalted over me? The psalmist is torn between these two poles. On the one hand, he knows that he has a loving God, but he feels that it's distant from him. On the other hand, there is an enemy that is assailing him. Last Sunday, we were hearing about how David, when he was the moment he was anointed as king over the, the United Kingdom, enemies started coming against him. Because of the calling that he had, because of the anointing that he had, he was facing enemies in his life. He feels that he's been abandoned by God in this situation. Let's, let's, let's carefully look at what is he crying about. Was one, and a part of it, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? This abandonment that the psalmist finds himself, or David finds himself, this abandonment is a long-standing abandonment. He feels that he has been away from the presence of God. God has abandoned him for a long period. For a long period. What does that mean? You know, in, in, in short, when you feel sometimes God has abandoned you, in short, we will take it easy. We are okay with it. But when short-term experience becomes a long-term pattern, once again, let me repeat it. When short-term experience becomes a long-term pattern, we cry out before God like this. Lord, I cannot take it anymore. Where are you, Lord? And how many times, church, you and I would have cried out similar prayers before God. Lord, how long? Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? When the long silence of God seems like an endless silence, the psalmist is baffled. The King David is baffled, and he's saying, you know the word that heightens that, the, long, the, the longevity of that is, will you forget me for Ever. Will you forget me forever? Sometimes we go through life like that, isn't it? We feel that God has forgotten us one after the other. Situations happening. And we feel like that we have been abandoned by God. We have been abandoned by God. A writer rightly said like this. Sometimes it is not under the sharpest, but the longest trials of our life that we are in most danger of fainting. Sometimes sharp arrows come. We are able to endure it. But when, it, when those same sharp arrows become too long, it's too difficult for us, too painful for us. Continuing on, verse 1, the second part of it. How long will you hide your face from me? The psalmist feels that there is an apparent lack of God's blessing upon his life. Because as a covenant, part of a covenant community of God, he knows every time that he comes into worship, 
the priest would offer this prayer of blessing. You, you understand that prayer. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. That is a covenant blessing that every Sunday or every week that is coming in the presence of God, he's finding. But now for a season, he thinks that God's face is not shining upon him anymore. God seems to have hidden his face from me. How long will you hide your face from me? The anguish cry, the lament that he raises before God is because he feels that the covenant God, the covenant God, who should be smiling upon him. I like that translation in, in, uh, in the message translation. May the Lord smile upon you. So the Lord was smiling upon you, but suddenly the Lord is no longer smiling. How many times we feel the same thing in our work, work situation, in our homes, sometimes when, when we're, what we're going through physically in our life, each day the pain is not ending in, anymore. We are praying, we are seeking the face of God, and we're still crying out. And we say, Lord, you don't see? You used to be, you used to have favor upon me, you used to smile upon me, but when was the last time I saw you smiling upon me? Hallelujah. Have your blessings ceased in my life? Have your blessings ceased in my life? Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? What do you see him crying out? He witnesses himself in a deep darkness, a deep darkness. He's falling into an emotional abyss of, deep, of dark thoughts, an emotional roller coaster. In other words, we can say he's having a nervous breakdown. I'm speaking to myself. This is nothing else but a beautiful imagery and a picture of how a child of God who feels that God has abandoned him can find himself where he may find himself going through depression. He may find himself going through that mental agony. He feels that God has abandoned him. God is no longer worried about him, concerned about him. He's talking to himself. Can I tell you, church, every time, you know, we go through such situations in our life, I always think about it that in the Bible you find so many men and women of God who have gone through similar situations. So we are not alone. They've gone through in similar situations. Here if it is David, he's crying out that deep emotional roller coaster that he's going through. Elijah cried out, a man of God, a prophet of God. We love to hear about Elijah. We put names to our children, Elijah, because we think he, you know, they would become like him. But that man also went through a deep, dark hole one day. He said, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. That's when you talk, you're talking to yourself. I don't want to live anymore. Even Jesus went through something like this. Can you even imagine that? Even Jesus went through something like that. In the, book of, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you read the gospel narrative, his soul was troubled. Do you understand what this means? His soul was troubled. And he was perplexed. He was vexed in his heart. And he asked his disciples, could you pray with me? If you are going through emotional roller coaster, don't feel that you are the only one. No, there is a host of saints and men and women of God in the scripture who, who can testify to that. We have gone through similar situation in our life. Similar situation in our life. A fourth cry that he cries out is, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Wow. If, it's, if David is a, a composer of this psalm, you and I can uh, totally understand that David... You know, half of his life, he was facing his giants. Half of his life, he was facing his enemies. 
Metaphorically, death could be the ultimate enemy. But literally, David had his own enemies. Starting from his own family that rejected him. In the very beginning, for the anointing. Then the giant Goliath. Then father-in-law Saul, who is, who is make, kind of like going after him like a, like a, like a, like a dog. And he even, even says to Saul like that, I'm a dog that you're coming. Why are you seeking me? Who am I? The Philistines so many times. And finally, his own son Absalom is after his life. But church, this is the beauty of this. Verse 1 and 2 seems to take you into the lament situation when you find that the psalmist is so down, so down. But then read verse 5 and 6. 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You see a total paradigm shift, isn't it? You see a total shift from verse 1, 2 to verse 5 and 6. What happened? What happened? What made this change come over David? In the middle of the God abandonment, what happened? Can I tell you, church? He sought the Lord in prayer. He sought the Lord in prayer. Prayer thus became a turning point in his life. Prayer thus became a turning point in his life. Verse 3 reminds you this. Verse 3, he's praying for deliverance. Three things he's asking of the Lord. Three things. Look at me. Look at me. Number two, answer me. Number three, light up my eyes. Look at me. What is he saying? What is he asking? He's been crying out, how long, how long, how long, how long? Now he focuses, you know, into prayer. Lament. Lament will be useless if you do not focus it in prayer. Vilabam. Adi vilabam ay matra nilal artamilla. Vilabam kandinirum prathne ay maranam. When lament becomes prayer, you will find your situation is changing. You will find that something drastic is happening. The same psalmist who found himself in the deep dark darkness is suddenly saying, I will sing of the Lord. I will thank God for his steadfast love in my life. Look at me. What is he saying? Lord, look at me. I am nearing a death-like situation in my life. My enemies are already speaking. There is no salvation for him from God. He is going to die. They are already ascending. They are, they are in an ascension over me right now. They are going to have their victory flag over me. But in the midst, middle of that, Lord, you come to my aid. You come to my aid, Lord. And you know when he's saying, look to me, because he understands by faith that God's one look is enough for his life. God's one look is enough for his life. Throughout the scriptures, church, heaven's one look is good enough for us, isn't it? Heaven's one look is good enough for us. This morning I believe, church, I trust in the Lord that one look of God is good enough in the middle of your cry, in the middle of your lament. As you pray to God, he says, yes, my son, my daughter, I'm looking at you right now. One, one cry is good enough. So many examples I can share with you from the scripture, his look. Secondly, he says, answer me, answer me. You know, in, 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 in Psalm 12, this is what he says, you know. In, uh, the Lord says like this in, in Psalm 12, I will rise now, says the Lord. I will rise now, says the Lord. 
So the psalmist is saying, he's expressing his faith, Lord, not only look at me, but speak to me. Speak to me. Your one word is enough for my life. Your one word is enough for my life. As in Psalm 12, he says, God is saying, I will now rise to bring justice. I will rise now to bring healing. He said, Lord, your one word is enough for me in my life. But specifically, he comes back. He says, Lord, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lighten up my eyes. Give me a new vision. Give me a new vision. Restore my vision so that I may see who you are and I may see who I am. In the middle of my God abandonment, I am focusing my prayer to a God and I'm asking, Lord, give me a new vision that I may see you from a grander light. You being high and exalted in the middle of my God abandonment and I will understand that you care about me. You care about me. Church, the psalmist prays like this. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. There is possibility that in our God abandonment, our enemies may rejoice over us. Our enemies may, uh, our faith may be shaken. So his prayer is simple, Lord, look to me, answer me, give me a new vision, give sight to my eyes so that my enemies shall not rejoice over me, so that my enemies will not have ascendancy over me, so that my faith is not shaken in the middle of my God abandonment. Yes, we may go through situations of God abandonment sometimes. But in the middle of that, what would be our prayer? Can this be our prayer? Lord, my faith should not be shaken in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my deep darkness, O oh God. So he continues to pray. But verse 5 says he continues to trust in God. He continues to trust in, the, trust in God. You know, this beautiful word that is used there in verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. I have trusted in your steadfast love. The word you say for steadfast love, in many translations it would be mercy, kindness. The Hebrew word is chesed, which would mean, which tells you and me about the covenant love that God has for his people Israel. The covenant love that God has for his people Israel. And what is the beauty of this covenant? The beauty of this covenant is this. Even though Israel failed God many times, God would never fail his love for the people. So in the middle of God abandonment, this is a message that the psalmist is saying, Lord, I have trusted in you, in your chested, O God. I have trusted in you, God, because your love for me never fails. Can I tell you, church, this morning, some of us need to realize that, that in the middle of your darkest, deepest valleys of life, God's love for you has not changed one bit. He still remains your father. He still remains your God. He still remains your almighty God. He still remains your all-wise God. He sees you in your situation. His love has not diminished for you even one bit. How many times you read the scriptures, the people of Israel would fail God, would fail God. But every time God comes back to them, God is reminding them, not because of your goodness, not because of what you have done, because of the covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will now come to rescue you because God says, I cannot turn my back, face back from the covenant that I made with you. I cannot fail you even though you have failed me. Church, how many times in our deep dark moments we may have given up on God? But God is reminding us this morning that he has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. Verse 5 again says, he says, I will rejoice in your salvation. 
I will rejoice in your salvation. You know, for us to rejoice in the middle of a darkness, you and I must be able to understand the nature of the victory that Christ gives us. The nature of the victory that Christ gives us. You know, I was re- you may have heard this testimony of Jonathan Evans, the son of Pastor Tony Evans, as he shared on his mother's funeral day. He said, from world over, people prayed for my mom. Lovie Sevens, she was battling cancer. Many mighty men and women of God prayed for her. And I too prayed. And I said, Lord, where are you? Heal my mom so that she can stand as a testament to your glory. Heal my mom so that she would be, we all can rejoice in your glory. And I began to ask God when she was taken away from us. I said, Lord, how, how can you do this to us? Why didn't you reveal your glory? He wrestled with God in prayer. And then he said, the Lord answered me. First of all, the Lord said to me, you need to understand the nature of the victory that I've given to you. Your mom, she's already experiencing the victory. So for your prayers that you prayed, thinking that my mom, our mom would be saved, can I tell you something? I have already given the answer to the prayer. And my prayer, the answer that I gave to your prayer is yes and yes. Either she was going to live or she is going to live. Either she will be healed or she will be healed. Either she will be restored back to the family or she will be restored back to the family. In every circumstance, my prayer is yes and yes only. But then you need to understand that I am God and I am sovereign. You need to understand that I am God and I am sovereign. And you don't need to teach me how to take my glory. I know how to take my glory. Paul, Apostle Paul, writing from the Roman prison would again and again encourage the church at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say to you, rejoice. Finding himself in the dark dungeon with chains, with sentries standing around him. He could continue to encourage God's people. Why? Because he knows what it means to rejoice in the Lord. Because my joy in the Lord is not dependent on my circumstances. It is dependent on a relationship that I have with the Lord. And nothing in this world can take away the joy of the Lord from me. The psalmist says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And finally says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here is a, here is a psalmist who has been crying out, Lord, how long, how long? But rather, rather at this point, he's saying, I will continue to sing to the Lord. I will continue to worship my God. In my God abandonment will be the greatest moment of my God worshiping moments. Because I am waiting for my God. I'm waiting for my God. It's a beautiful song that we used to always sing. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, see what God had done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, church. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort 
give you to your journey's end. So in the middle of our God abandonment church, can I tell you something? Can we make a decision, Lord, I will not cease to praise you. I will not cease to worship you. But I will sing a song of glory. I will sing a song of thanksgiving. I will continue to wait upon the Lord so that he may reveal his will and his plans for me. Shall we rise to our feet this morning, church? Hallelujah. There is no greater strength in waiting upon the Lord because as we wait upon the Lord, in our God abandonment, can I tell you that he will, he will show himself to us. He will reveal himself to us. So in our God abandonment, let's continue to rejoice. Let's continue to worship. Let's continue to ask. Let's continue to seek his face. Let's continue to trust in him. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His plans are higher than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. Shall we pray? Father God, this morning, Lord, we humble ourselves, O God. You take glory. You take honor, O God. How many times we have found ourselves in similar situations of God abandonment, O oh God. In dark valleys, O oh God. We have cried out like the psalmist, Lord, where are you? Where are you, Lord? But this morning we understand, O oh God, you are calling us to wait and wait and wait. And we will wait, O oh God. In our waiting, we will pray. In our waiting, we will seek. In our waiting, we will rejoice. In our waiting, we will trust. In our waiting, we will worship. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.